All right, so I don't know if any of you guys uh, enjoy carnival games, but uh, I need a little help here. Uh, first, I just need to know, anybody got a guess on how many dimes are in this bag? I just need a guess. Go ahead, shout it out. 100, what? 380. Oh, you guys are good. 250, what do you got? Okay, all right, let's see. How many dimes we got in this bag? 437. Anybody close? I don't think anybody was close. Oh, what would you say? Oh, all right, all right, all right. That's, that's not bad, that's not bad. All right, nickels. I need nickels. Start, sh- yeah, shout it out. Go ahead. Bag of nickels. What do you got? 350. 199. 400. All right, all right. Wow, all right. Let's see what we got. 259. Who was closest? Who was closest? Okay, you don't get it anyway. Sorry. But no, no, we're very, very, very good guess. Good job. Good job. All right, now, my friends, I need a guess on how many rocks you think are in this bag. Go ahead, shout it out. 10,000. Good guess. We had that at the first. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Honest answer? I have no idea. I don't have time to sit around and count rocks, people. I'm a busy guy. What's wrong with you people? The reason I bring up what we have going on here is because this money that are in these bags was actually in the Save a Life bucket for like years, okay? We had hundreds and hundreds of coins just sitting in the bottom of the Save a Life bucket, and people often put, you know, cash in there for people or checks in there, and then we're able to pass that on to people in need. But people often put coins in there, which is great. It's just I was kind of overwhelmed at thinking about sitting for probably several hours and organizing it all and figuring out how, how much it all was and rolling it and doing all that kind of stuff you have to do. So I just left it in the Save a Life bucket for years. And some of you guys know that this bucket gets knocked over quite frequently, right? In our services, it's happened. Uh, I did it uh, twice, I think. I've knocked them over. The worst was a Christmas service we were having. And the place was packed out. It was the night service, last service of the day. And we are going for it. We're singing Silent Night to close out the service. And we were literally singing the line, Sleep in Heavenly Peace. On the word peace, somebody knocked it over. And so it was like, sleep in heavenly, you know, it was just like, boom, you know. So the whole room turned around and looked, what just happened? What just happened? But one of the times I knocked it over, the last time I knocked it over, some of our incredible volunteers around here decided we've had enough of this. We're going to get down to the bottom of this and figure out how much it all is and organize it all. And the incredible thing was all those hundreds of coins just came down to a few bags just like this, nicely labeled, clear, not overwhelming anymore. I know exactly what I have here. And you know, the reason I say all that is because I think sometimes we get lost in the bigness of the Bible. We look at the Bible, we think, wow, this is like a huge book. There are are 66 chapters, or I'm sorry, books in the Bible. There are 1,189 chapters in the Bible. There are 31,101 verses, and they're, depending on the translation, are about 785,000 words. And sometimes we just go, I'm a little overwhelmed. I don't know how to get into all that. I don't know how to find what I need to make it clear and apply to my life. I don't know how to take this and make it this. And so what I want to do for the next few weeks is I want to basically summarize the Bible in three statements. And I want to say it all comes down to these three statements. Today we're going to talk about the most important message the Bible gives us. And then the next two weeks, we're going to look at two more statements that Jesus makes that basically all of it comes down to. And the reason I want to do that is because I want it to be clear to you. I want us to be a church that doesn't just hear what the Bible has to say, but lives it out. And so I want you to know, what do we do with this? What do we do with God's word? What is every chapter and verse and book about? And 
Lastly, I want you to see that God's word makes a difference in your life. That it's, it's, it shouldn't be intimidating to us. That we can get into God's word and open it up and we can search it out and we can find things that are going to apply to our life and make a difference in the way that we live. And so we're going to start today with our first statement. And the first statement that the whole Bible is about, the most important message of the Bible, is that God loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. Now, if you're newer to church, you're a newer Christian, or you're not a Christian at all, you may look at that statement and just think to yourself, how can this be? How can this be? Your heart might have started beating a little bit faster when those words came up on the screen. You're going, I can't imagine God loves me, and I can't imagine why he'd want a relationship with me. Now, here's the thing. If you are a follower of Jesus, especially if you have been for a long time, when I said what we're going to be talking about today, you probably kicked yourself and said, I knew I should have slept in and watched Osteen on TV. Because I know that, Doug. I know that truth. I know God loves me and wants to have a relationship with me. Now, here's what's scary. Some of you in the room, your heart started beating a little faster. You're thinking, man, I can't imagine God loving me. I can't imagine God wanting a relationship with me. And the rest of us are kind of sitting in the room thinking, okay, know this, not all that exciting or or, or world-changing. Here's the thing, is that the first group in the room whose heart's beating a little bit fast today at that truth, this is a felt need for you. You look at that statement, you say, I need God to love me. I I hope God, I hope this guy knows what he's talking about. I hope God loves me, and I hope he wants an actual relationship with me. The rest of us in the room, this is what's scary, Maybe this doesn't feel so much like a felt need anymore. You see, a felt need is something that you know you need to hear about. It's something that is kind of grabbing at you. Like, like if you heard certain words, you would perk up and listen, you know? Like if I were talking today about what the Bible has to say about sex, I'd have your attention the entire time, right? You could have been out until 2, 3 in the morning. Everyone's eyes are going to be like this, just listening, because we all know we need to hear about that. But when I make a statement like this, God loves you, and wants a relationship with you. Some of you are like, wow, felt need. I'm right there. That hits me exactly where I'm living. But probably 90% of us in the room go, mm-hmm. yeah, it's true. I'm not all that excited about it right now. It's not like this huge felt need, dog. I didn't wake up today and say, man, I really wonder if God loves me or if he wants a relationship with me. No, we probably already know this, but the sad part is, is that maybe we're just not as excited about it as we used to be. Maybe it doesn't take our breath away like it used to. You see, every one of us who's put our trust in Jesus once had a moment where we were floored by that statement. And maybe we're just kind of getting used to it. Maybe we're just a little bit going, this is Christianity 101, Doug. You know, I mean, this is so basic. This is not rocket science, you know? Which I always wondered, if a rocket scientist is talking to a coworker who's confused about something, what does he say? He can't say it's not rocket science. Anyway, uh, and so, so this is not rocket science. This is, not Christi- you know, this is Christianity 101. This is the basic stuff here. And this was supposed to be a two-part series, okay? The message I'm speaking right now didn't exist until about 1 a.m. on Tuesday night, okay? I, I had to be up early Wednesday morning, and about 1 o'clock, I'm laying in bed, and I'm, I'm thinking about this message series. And basically, the statement that you see on the screen I was just going to kind of throw it at you and say, we all know this, so let's just move on to the next two statements. And it was just going to be a two-part series. 
But I'm laying there at 1 o'clock in the morning. I just feel like God's starting to impress on my heart. I never heard the audible voice of God, but I feel his impression on my heart. Like, Doug, don't skip over that. Don't skip past that. Don't just say, hey, we all know this, so now let's talk about what's really important. No, see, this is the story of the Bible. This is what it all comes down to. This is the most important thing any of us could ever center our life around, that God loves us and wants to have a relationship with us. And so I'm wrestling with this, and, and if I'm honest, you know, I mean, preachers, man, we could be insecure sometimes, and we're thinking about standing before a few hundred people all day long, talking, and everyone's staring at us, drooling, falling asleep. I'm like, God, everybody knows this. Like, why am I going to bring this up? And I'm, I'm thinking, man, this would be good for maybe like a first-timer or someone maybe new to Christianity, but, but I'm thinking about so many of you who, man, you're seasoned Christians, you know? Like, you could teach this stuff yourself. And as I'm kind of worrying about this, I'm thinking about our, our vision statement, which is to be a church that unchurched people love to attend, but where Christians can grow deep in your faith. And I want you Christians growing deep in your faith. And this is kind of 101. And you know, this is what I felt God impressed on my heart as I was kind of like arguing back with God in that moment, was this. And please listen. Was that while it's important for maybe someone who's here for the first time to hear this statement, the people who need to hear this statement the most are the seasoned Christians in the room. That this would never, ever, ever get old for us. But that the fact that God loves us and wants a relationship with us would always floor us and always amaze us. So I wake up the next morning early and I'm getting ready for work and, and I have my phone playing, of course, Christian 80s metal in my pocket. It's blaring at me, you know. And, and I'm kind of ignoring it because I'm just thinking about this, this whole thing. Like, what am I going to do, God? And so I'm thinking, and I'm ignoring the music, and, and I'm do, going about my thing and going about my day. And all of a sudden, it was like literally, like everything shut down. You ever seen the movie where like the, you know, the guy walks into the bar and the record scratch and everything stops and, you know, and everybody just looks? It was like everything just shut off. And all I could hear were the lyrics coming from the song on my phone. And these were the lyrics. A guy wrote this about his relationship with Jesus. There was a time when I used to smile at the sound of your name. Your face, I couldn't wait to see. And every time I'd hear your voice, I'd rejoice. But now I realize I've gone so far away. I know I need to go back to the start and get that fire burning again. And I just kind of chuckled and I said, Lord, I knew you spoke through 80s metal. No doubt about it. And I knew, all right, let's do this. Because I think that's exactly our story. For some of us, the fire isn't burning like it used to. For some of us, we're going, man, I used to be so passionate about God. We remember a time in our life where it was so exciting to open up God's word. It was so exciting to pray. It was so exciting to come to church or worship or, or hang out with a Christian friend. You wanted to tell everyone you knew about Jesus. Remember that? But then something happens, you know? And, and, and here in this lyric, just this idea of going back to the start, back to that first love, back to what we first experienced in God. A lot of you guys know I love manly fires, and my birthday was last Saturday, and so uh, my family was coming over. It was like 60 degrees, if you remember last Saturday, and Kelly's saying to me, honey, I know you love fires, but it's like hot, and you're not going to make a fire today, are you? And I was like, there shall be much fire on my day of birth. Like, there's no doubt about that. And so I made the fire, and what I have to do several times, but go back to the fire, and I had to find those embers that were starting to cool off a little bit, and push them back toward the middle, push them back toward the other pieces that were all fired up. And I had to put some new wood on the fire to revive it, bring it back to life. And that's what I hope to do for you today and me too, that our hearts would get caught on fire again with love and passion 
for our Savior. Now, some of you, if you're honest, you're saying, Doug, I feel really close to God right now. In fact, the time I've, I, if I think about a time in my life where I felt close to God, now is the time I've, I feel the closest. And that's great. And what you're going to hear today is going to encourage you to remain there and keep going. Keep walking down that road you're on. That's awesome. But for so many of us, that fire has grown a little dim. And for many of you here in the room, you're not a follower of Jesus. And I hope to get you fired up for the first time about the love that God has for you. This statement that God loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. And so we're going to look at a few verses today. Uh, We're going to be in John 15. If you want to get that open or you want to get your app open, just don't play Tetris. And then some of the verses are going to be on the screen. And then we're also going to be in Revelation 3 a little bit later. So first things first, I want to just show you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, that this statement is true of you, that God loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. Now, Christians, don't tune out. Stick with me. This is important stuff, and it's all going to tie together in the end here. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, I just want to show you here in John chapter 15 what Jesus says, which is so powerful. He says this to his friends in verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Greater love has no one than to give their life for their friends. Now, you can almost hear one of Jesus' disciples saying, why are you saying this, Jesus? And you can almost hear Jesus saying back, and he would later say back, and then he would do this, I'm going to get on a cross for you. I'm going to die in your place. I'm going to take away your sin. You can't remove your own sin, so I'm going to die in your place and remove that sin for you. That's how much I love you. That's how passionate I am for my relationship with you. But then he goes on. You see, it doesn't Just stop there. And actually, before I go on, let me just say this. Jesus doesn't just say, hey, let me die for those who are my friends. But Paul tells us in Romans 5.8 that he died for every one of us when we were sinners, which means we weren't his friends at that point. Look at what it says. God God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so you're sitting there going, well, Doug, maybe he died for you. You're like a pastor guy. Maybe he died for you. But you don't know me, man. I'm a mess. No, he died for you. He died for me. We're all a mess outside of what Jesus did on the cross. He loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. But look what he says next in John 15. He says to his followers, you're my friends if you do what I command. Listen to this. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. What's Jesus saying here to his followers? I love you, and I want to have a relationship with you. I love you to the point that I will get on a cross, and I want to have a relationship with you, and this verse is proof. What does he say in, part, in verse 15? He says, uh, I don't call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. And then go on to that next part there. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I learned from my father I've made known to you. What is Jesus saying? I've communicated with you. Everything my father showed me, I've shown you. Well, how did you do that, Jesus? I communicated. I talked. I I, I lived three and a half years with these guys. We did life together. We hung out. We ate. We went everywhere together. We had a relationship. God loves you. He wants to communicate to you. He wants to have a relationship with you. Not just some bland, boring, you know, lifeless relationship, but a vibrant one, one where he speaks one where you're moved, one where I'm moved, one where statements like God loves you and wants to have a relationship with you never gets old. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope you've seen clearly in these few little verses here that Jesus loves you enough to get on the cross in your place and he wants to communicate with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. But if you're a follower of Jesus, let's 
Let's move on to Revelation chapter 3. And Jesus is speaking to a church here in 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 a place called Laodicea. And he says this in verse 15. I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. Now, what's Jesus saying here? Now, for a long time, I thought that this verse meant one thing, and and you may have thought the same thing, but there are some really smart people who have helped us understand some pretty cool things about this verse. You see, I always thought that Jesus was drawing a line in the sand. You know, he draws a line in the sand. He says, okay, if you're going to be hot and follow me, then be hot. But if you're going to be cold and not follow me, then just be that. Just be cold. Just don't even pretend to follow me. But some really smart people uh, discovered some really amazing things about Laodicea. What they discovered about Laodicea is that they got their water from a place that was six miles away, an aqueduct, and by the time the water got to Laodicea, it was lukewarm. It wasn't hot, and it wasn't cold. It was just lukewarm. It was bland. It was eh. It was so-so. And so maybe what Jesus is saying here is, don't be bland in your relationship with me. Don't be lukewarm. Don't be so-so. Don't be half-hearted. There was another city nearby called Hierapolis. And Hierapolis had hot springs. And so they had all this piping hot water, and this piping hot water was good to sanitize and bring healing to people who were sick. It would make, you know, infection go away because it was so hot that it would sanitize the infirmities and the disease. And so Hierapolis had the hot, and they were healthy, and they were helpful. And there was another city nearby called Colossae, and Colossae had really cold water, which was refreshing to drink. And so here's Laodicea understanding I think what Jesus is saying in this illustration. Hey, you know what? Just like hierarchy, or Hierapolis rather, has this hot water that's good to bring health. And just like Colossae has this cold water that's refreshing, be one or the other. But don't be in the middle. Don't be lukewarm. Either be so hot in your relationship with me that you are healthy and you bring health or be so cold in your relationship with me that you're refreshed and you're refreshing to everyone you come in contact with, but don't play it safe in between. Don't be lukewarm. And I fear that's where some of us sort of end up over time. Then he says in verse 16, so because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Now that sounds pretty intense. But I don't think it means that God is threatening our salvation here. You know, if Jesus started your salvation and the word tells us that he's going to complete it and finish it, I don't think that we can say, oh, well, then I guess I lost it because I'm just lukewarm. This is not God abandoning his kids. Tom Constable says this about this verse. He would rather we be spiritually refreshing or healthful as cold or hot water are rather than that we are spiritually bland as lukewarm water is. So let me just ask you a question. How would you describe your relationship with God today? Would you say your relationship with God is hot in that you're healthy and that you're finding health and strength and life in it? Would you say your relationship with God is is cold in that you're refreshed in God and you're refreshing others? Would you say you're just sort of caught in between? Just sort of lukewarm not necessarily doing the worst things in the world, but man, not engaged and passionate and in this amazing relationship that Jesus longs for with you. The next part in verse 17, he says, you say, I am rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, 
and naked. Now, Jesus is not trying to insult us here. He's trying to just help us recognize that Laodicea, maybe some of us too, are kind of distracted with the physical blessings we have, right? The people in Laodicea are saying, hey, we're rich, we're good, what do we need? And, and Jesus is trying to say, hey, I know you're like physically doing pretty well, but I just want you to know spiritually you're, you're wretched and pitiful and poor and, and blind and naked. And then he says in, in verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. Well, wait, they just said they were rich. Yeah, not physically rich, spiritually rich. And white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. And so he's saying here to these people in Laodicea, hey, this is all available to you in a relationship with me. Healing, richness, spiritually speaking, covering of the shame, of the sin in your life, that's all available. This is what we miss out on when we go lukewarm. And this is what's available to us when we get hot in our relationship with God or, or cold and go for that refreshment that, that Jesus offers every single one of us. Then he goes on in verse 19. He says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Jesus is saying, hey, I love you. I'm not coming down on you. The last thing, I guess I could say the same thing, the last thing a message like this is supposed to bring to you today is condemnation. It's to get you to go, man, I'm just such a mess. Yeah, Doug, I hear everything you're saying. It's so true about me. That's how bad I am. And man, how can I pursue God when I'm like this? No, that's, that would be to shoot yourself in the foot. That would be off. This message is God saying, I love you so much to tell you that maybe, just maybe, you're lukewarm. Maybe you're off course. And I love you enough because I want you by my side. I want you satisfied in me. I want you healthy and refreshed in me to say, maybe it's time to repent. Maybe it's time to, to have a conversation with God and say, Lord, I know I'm lukewarm. I know I'm, I'm way more excited about things that are just so much less valuable than you. And so God, just forgive me and help me and make me new and do something new in my heart. Maybe that's the place we start today. But then verse 20 says something so powerful. Jesus says this, this and this is the opportunity that every one of us have on a moment-by-moment basis. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. It all comes down to this. Every word in the Bible, every book, every chapter, every verse. Jesus wanting a relationship with us. And he's knocking, you know? He's knocking. And a knock's not all that loud, right? In fact, the other day we were at community group or, or we were waiting for the, our community group to come to our house and uh, my kids are being, you know, just kids and having fun and my wife and I are talking and Joe and Lori uh, knocked on the front door. And I was like, wait, did someone just knock? Like, I don't know if I heard that right. And I had to silence everyone. Silence, right? And finally they knocked again and I heard it. We went running and we answered. And God, standing at the door of our heart like a gentleman, just, just knocking, you know, not beating it down, you know, and other things are screaming. There's so many voices in our lives. We got the kids and, and work and I'm so stressed about college and what's going to happen with him and her and the relationship and, and, and Jesus just, just consistent and he's knocking. And I would guess that when I don't talk, every one of you can hear that knock, but when I start to talk, the knock starts to get drowned out a little bit, doesn't it? And I just wonder how many voices in our lives are drowning out that knock. Jesus saying, I just want to communicate with you. I just want a close relationship with you. Here I am, man. I'm knocking on the door. You want to open the door? Any time of day, any time of night, I'm here. 
I want you to be healthy. I want you to be refreshed in me. And so open that door. Communicate with me. That's exactly what this verse is saying is, hey, if you open up that door, I'm going to come in, I'm going to communicate with you. I mean, that's what it means when it says, come in and eat with me. That I, and, and, uh, come in and eat with that person and they with me. Right? When, when you were invited out to dinner or lunch the last time that happened, people weren't inviting you out just because they like to eat food. No, it's about hanging out, right? That's what our Savior wants with you and me. Right? Last time you and your friends went out to eat, when the food got there, you didn't go, okay, shh, we're going to eat now. Right? You guys kept talking because it's not about the food, it's about the relationship. And that's what Jesus is saying here. I'll come in and hang out with you. I'll come in and spend time with you. I want to talk to you and I want you to talk to me. I'm going to listen to you and I want you to listen to me. And in our lukewarmness, so often that's choked out, isn't it? And in the pressures of life and the distractions of life and all those voices that shout so loudly, we can lose touch with that relationship with God that he so longs to have with us. And I just want to encourage you, every single follower of Jesus at one point or another goes through a season where it just feels like God's a little far away. Every single one of us. And this can even happen when we're not lukewarm. So I just want to encourage you today. Maybe you're saying, man, Doug, I feel like I'm doing all that I know to do to pursue Jesus, and I just feel like he's far away. Well, the reason most often God allows this is because he's trying to draw out of us a heart to seek him even more. Yesterday, I was at my nephew's birthday party, and his younger brother is about 18 months, and I was sitting um, in this certain seat there, and my, my 18-month-old nephew uh, was playing this little game with me. He, he'd, come, he'd come running from the other side of the room, and he'd stop and stare at me until I like, got up and I'd tickle him and chase him away, you know? And we did this for about eight hours. It was wonderful. Got a lot of exercise yesterday. But we're, I'm sitting there, and, and I started to notice something now, right? The longer we did it, like let's say he started over here, like, eventually, he just started only coming to here. And so I'd get up, and I'd have to chase him further. And I'm getting a little older. I don't really want to do that. And so I was like, all right, come on. And so I'm sitting on the, on the chair, and I, you know what I started to do? I started to just wait. He was still in my periphery. He was safe. I knew he was okay. I knew no one had taken him or he would fallen. But I just sort of waited and just sort of looked down like this. And as I did that, you know what he did? He would just take another step closer and wait and then another step closer, and wait until, of course, I jump up and grab him eventually, and we do this whole thing over again. And I think sometimes, guys, that's exactly what God is doing in those seasons of our life when it just feels like he's a little bit far away. He's not far, and you're not out of his eyesight, and you're, you're safe. You're in his care. He's got you. But I think he waits back a little bit just to see, are we going to take another step toward him, even when it doesn't feel like he's paying the attention we think we deserve? Is he going to Take another step. Is she gonna? Is she gonna pray still today? Is she gonna open up the word still today? Is she gonna be with me? Is she gonna communicate? Is she gonna hear the knock at the door? Is he gonna open up the door today, even though it may not feel like it always did? And so today, what it all comes down to—every verse, chapter, book—what it all comes down to is this simple statement that many of us are just too used to: that God loves you. And wants to have a relationship with you. That's what the whole Bible's about. That's how clear it is. That's how relevant it is to me and you. God loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. Can we get excited about that again? Can we start to shake our head in amazement again? Can we, can we be floored by that again like we once were? If you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe today's the day you respond to this truth. 
If you're already feeling close to Jesus and you're good, then stay on that road. I can guarantee that your closeness has to do with the communication that you are having with him. Because that's how we revive this. If you're here today saying, Doug, I want everything you're talking about. I don't know how to get there. It is so simple. It's called communication. It's called communicating with God. If this is a relationship, then it works like every other relationship in your life. And every relationship in your life hinges on communication. And God desires that from you and I. He desires that we pray. Desires that we talk to him. And so, simple question. Are we setting aside time in our day to have it be just us? And Jesus. And then, I think this is just as important, are we keeping the door open to God all day long? Right? Because here's Jesus knocking. And some of us, like 6.45, alarm goes off. We like open up the daily bread and read it with one eye open, right? And all right, I got my five minutes in with God. And okay. But here's what so many of us do. Then we, we close the door. Like Jesus was knocking at the door. We opened it. Cool, have my time with God. I'm going to close it. Now go live real life. And Jesus wants to go with you to work and he wants to go with you to school and he wants to go back home with you and deal with the kids and the family and the crisis and the financial and the health and the, just keep the door open. God, I'm gonna talk to you all day. Not like I, I can't do anything else, but throughout my day, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be praying. You're a doctor, cool. Pray before every single person walks in the door or you walk in their door. Open the door, you know, just quietly to yourself. God, just pray for this visit. Bless this person, Amen. Do you know how many times you'll pray? You know how many probably hours in a week you would pray if you did that every single time? Teachers in the room, maybe before every class. God, I just pray for favor. Again, this is you praying to God. This isn't out loud. Maybe before every client walks in. Maybe if you're in school, every time you walk into a class or every day you're going to school on the bus, a few minutes. God, pray for the bus driver. I don't know what he's going through. God, pray for my teachers today. I just pray I'll be able to shine brightly for you. This is you at work, man. God, please save my boss. No, really, Jesus, please save my boss. Do something, Lord. But it's keeping that door open, keeping that connection open. It's getting into God's word, which is relevant, as we've seen today, right? Which is clear, as we've seen today. Which is life-changing, as we've seen today. And we ask God to speak to us, and we open up his word, and we read, and we get to know him, and he's speaking to us. And the best way you get to know the voice of God is by opening up the Bible. We'll give you one today if you don't have one. They have Bible apps now. They'll read the Bible to you. Some of you guys have some commutes. Man, throw the Bible on for a half hour. Let some guy, it's like Charlton Heston or something. You can't get better than that. Let him read to you for like a half hour. You'll get saved if you're not, if Charlton Heston's reading, I promise, right? But that's powerful stuff, just getting it in your heart. Romans 8, get it in your heart. Best chapter ever. You can still do it. Get it in your heart. It's the first thing I do when I wake up every morning. I lay in bed, one of those nice, cozy, comfy comforter sheets and stuff and I just go through Romans 8. I just getting it in my head, just getting it and I make some mistakes and I pull up my Bible app and figure out what I got wrong and just getting it in my heart. Let me ask you this. When's the last time that you just sat in a quiet place and you asked God this question? God, do you have anything you want to say to me? God, do you want to speak to me? And this takes some practice, right? And it takes some patience and it takes some time and it takes, um, you know, knowing the voice of Jesus, which you learn in the scriptures, by the way. And anything you hear that doesn't line up with the scripture isn't Jesus, isn't God's voice. But man, we get those impressions in our hearts. There's, no, in our heart. There's nothing like hearing the voice of God. You know, I pray every Sunday on the prayer team at night and I always ask God, speak to me and speak through me. 
I, I, as I'm preparing messages, God, speak to me and speak through me, but it's, it's not often enough that I say, God, is there anything you just want to say to me, plain old Doug? Is there anything you want to speak to my heart? And just wait on God. See what he says. See what he does. There's nothing more exciting, I can guarantee you, than hearing God speak. And so I think the paradigm shift we need in our head is this, that we get from viewing our relationship with God and spending time with him as a have to. That's where many of us are, if we're honest. I have to go to church. I have to go to community group. I have to read my Bible. I have to pray. I have to worship. I should. I should worship. I should pray. I should. Change that have to. Change that should to a get to. I get to pray. I, I get to pray. I get to have God's ear. I get to have the Savior listen to my problems, my puny little problems in comparison to all he's got to worry about. I get to open up God's word I get to walk around my neighborhood at night and pray and get encouragement and perspective. I get, I get to do that. I get to go to church and get encouraged in my faith and be around other followers of Jesus. I get to do that. This past week, I had a lot of different things scheduled in that were just going to make me be near God. Like I spoke at a, a chapel at a school nearby. I had community group and a deeper Thursday night. We had green room Friday night. I just knew I had like a whole week of like scheduled things. And I knew that I could view it as have to, or I could view it as get to. And I, I just, my prayer through that week was God, help me just to feast in your presence. Help me to just go for it. Help me to just enjoy so much the time that I will have this week with you. It's the message of the whole Bible. God loves you. So much that Jesus died for you. And he wants to have an ongoing, vibrant, alive, passionate relationship with you. If you're not a follower of Jesus here today, I want to give you the opportunity to put your trust in him here this morning. But if you're a follower of Jesus, then man, it's time. It's time to get the fire burning again. It's time to say, I'm not going to be lukewarm anymore. It's time to say, I'm not going to settle I'm going to get real hot in my faith for God and be healthy and healthful. And I'm going to get real cold and refreshed in the presence of Jesus. And I'm going to be in his word, not because I have to, but because I get to. And I'm going to sit and wait on him and silence all the voices so I can hear the knock so that God can speak to me. And I'm going to keep the door open. In fact, here's what I want you to do. Every time you see a door this week, be it getting into or out of a car, be it an office door, a school door, your home door. I just want you to have this visual link back to Jesus standing there knocking, just waiting for you to open it. And I encourage you to keep that door open. We used to call this being plugged in. Remember that message series? Stay plugged in to your Savior, the source of all life. Don't unplug. Don't shut the door. He loves you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. It all comes down to this. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful to you, Lord, that this is true of us, Lord. It doesn't make any sense, but we're amazed by it, God. And I just thank you so much, Jesus, that every one of us has this opportunity this week. I thank you so much, no matter how close or far some of us may be from you, that we have this opportunity. I thank you that you're knocking on that door, desiring a relationship with us. We thank you so much, God. 
If you're a follower of Jesus, would you do two things right now? First, I want to ask you to think about the moment that the statement, God loves you and wants to have a relationship with you, clicked. You may have been on a youth retreat. You may have been talking to a friend or a coworker, or maybe your parents led you to Jesus. What did you feel in that moment? What fire of love was burning in your heart? What amazement did you have in your mind? Second thing I want you to think about is the time you felt the closest to Jesus in your life. What was that like? Have you honestly experienced anything better since then than that time where you just felt so close to God? And would you now pray with me that, that God would not only bring back that excitement and that level of passion, but that we would exceed it now. That the next season of our life would be the high mark for our passion and our love and our closeness with Jesus. Let's pray about that. Jesus, we just cry out to you and, and we start with repentance and, and say, Lord, that we've been lukewarm. And we're not hot, we're not cold, we're just sort of in between. And God, we just pray that you will take us to a new place in our relationship with you. That that fire would burn again in our hearts for you. That that awe, that amazement, that wonder, that get to attitude would return. God, I just pray for anybody in the room that would say, you know, I don't even want God, but I want to want God. I just pray for them today. God, that, that you would honor that even tiny little ember of a spark in their heart right now that says, man, I just kind of wish I wanted God. I don't even know if I do, but I just kind of wish I did. That God, you would just light their relationship with you on fire, God, that it would be so passionate and alive. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him today, then I would encourage you to pray something like this. Jesus, please forgive me for my sin. I'm so thankful that you love me and that you want to have a relationship with me. Please forgive me for all I've done. And I thank you for how close you long to be with me. In your name.